We've been preaching, we're still early in this, limitless. The board's starting to fill up. As we continue to move through the series, God will be faithful to continue to reveal to us limits. Because sometimes limits are layered. And you need to identify one limit and have that broken before you can even see there was another one underneath it. And so my hope and prayer is that this board gets full. I'd like to buy another board, if that's okay. <laughs> Last week we talked about the limitation of being too old, and this week we're going to talk about the limitation of being too young. And I'll tell you, the theme is the same for both. Being limited by being too old or too young has nothing to do with your age and everything to do with your relationship to a promise. going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 16, and before I uh, even get into the text, I would like to set it up for you. You remember back in the uh, What God Wants series, one of them was God Wants Holiness. And what that means is that God is holy, he's pure and set apart perfect. But he also wants to be with us. And the only way that can happen is if we are holy and perfect and set apart. And so everything God does is in that direction, trying to bring us into himself. And one of the ways he accomplishes that is by making us clean and holy. The Bible is really, one of the ways you can describe it is it's a a series of descriptions of ways God has tried to be with us. He's trying to bring us into relationship with himself. One of the uh, most prominent overarching images is throughout the Old Testament is the creation of a holy people, the Israelites. So here's how this happened. We talked last week about Abraham and, and God's promise to Abraham was that he was going to give him descendants like the stars of the sky. Well, that group of people, all those descendants, that was fulfilled. That group really did exist, does exist. What he did was he, he had this group of people and in the book of Joshua tells them how to go and clear out a space for them, which is also representative, and, and you have probably heard it taught, that the book of Joshua represents the process of being cleansed in yourself, that there are ites, Canaanites, Hivites, all these ites in our lives that need to be removed and cleansed out, and the space that is cleansed is the same space that God dwells in. And so the book of Joshua is the cleaning out of the land, and that's followed by the book of Judges, which is a description of the way that the people were led. They were led by judges. And we shouldn't think of judges as the same courtroom kind of judge that we have today. It's a different word for leader. Uh, the, they were led by judges. Now the book of Judges ends with this horrific statement that the people did whatever they wanted. And we transition into 1 Samuel. Samuel was a judge too that led the people, but he was the last judge because the people demanded a king. So God, wants, God is holy. He wants to be with us. 
he tells Abraham, I'm going to give you a generation of people, uh, generations, and that people was Israel. And he says to Israel, I want you to set yourself aside and be pure and holy so that pure and holy God can spend time with pure and holy people. Then those people had these judges as leaders and they eventually said, we don't want a judge. We want to, like the other nations, we are powerful. We want a king. Ooh, it wasn't time yet though. God did what they wanted and he gave them a king and it was Saul. And Saul didn't do very good, to put it lightly. Now Samuel is the one who anointed Saul. And Saul was doing so poorly that God actually removed his blessing from Saul and went to Samuel and said, there's someone else. There's a new king that is going to replace Saul. Now that's where we are in 1 Samuel 16. And I'm just going to read verses 6 through 13. Let me read them first, and then we're going to go back through and see if there's anything to learn. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab. And had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by. But Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest. Jesse answered, He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. Lord, we ask that you would bless the reading of your word. You have revealed this to us. You have shown yourself to us. And now we ask that you would reveal and show yourself once again. Help us to see and hear and feel all that you are. Press yourself upon our souls. Make a mark. Not just personally, but collectively. Show us how to be in this new way, whatever this is that you're planning to show us this morning. We love you. Amen. There are three things that I think we can learn this morning that this specific text teaches us about being too young. And for the most part, they go in order. Now, I, I wrestled with the first one. I'm going to say sincerity, but you're going to need to hear me out. There are other ones, words that I thought about using, like holiness, like wholeheartedness. 
But sincerity, I think, for this purpose does the job. What we're doing essentially is saying, if you think you're too young, let's ask three questions. And the first one is a question about sincerity. And this begins in verse 6. It says, Samuel saw. When they arrived, Samuel saw. The question is, what can we see? What can you see? If you go to someone younger than you, what can you see? He becomes very confident. He says, surely, based on what he saw. I'm, I like basketball, and I'm pretty good. <laughs> Not as good as I used to be. I used to run to the basket and jump, and now I don't jump. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an outside shooter like everybody who's above 35, I think. Uh, but I was playing basketball one time, and this was in Uganda, and we were picking teams, and this dude comes onto the court, six-foot-eight G.I. Joe looking. Oh, yeah. Woo! I said, he's on my team <laughs> because I saw him. You saw a six-foot-eight big man coming onto the court. You'd pick him too. I said, surely. Well, that was a, he was not good. <laughs> oh man, that guy was a, a really tall turnover every time. <laughs> we have certain things that we can see, and our seeing can bring us a kind of assurance. Based on what I see here, I'm sure. And so we don't blame Samuel necessarily. He saw some things, and that made him sure. Verse 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider, that's a hard one, because those are really one-to-one -one there. All we can do is see. We don't have extra powers. All I can do is see. I can only see six foot eight. You can only look at someone and just see what you see. And so if God says to your seeing, do not consider, what else is there? He says, do not consider. And then he makes his point very clear, in case we were wondering. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at, full stop. People look at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart. So there's a problem with our eyesight. Now, what I love here is Samuel buys it, takes it. He just agrees to that. Okay, God has told me my eyesight, my method of assessment should not be considered. Therefore, and he's so convinced of this, this is the question I really love. I want to fasten this into your minds. Look at what he does. He looks at all of these sons, seven of them. 
and none of them are the one he's looking for. How confident do you have to be that the father is here, seven sons are lined up and you're looking at them and God is speaking in it. Nope, that's not the one. Nope, that's not the one. All of them, seven. That's not the one. That's not the one. That's not the one. Well, God told me not to trust my eyesight. The only conclusion here is there must be a son that this father forgot to bring. (laughs) How confident was Samuel? He was so sure that God's instruction was correct that the most likely issue was that there's a son missing. Are these the only sons? Is there another one? Conviction. Samuel's in the room. What are you looking for? Samuel's, I'm going to be addressing you throughout the sermon. Holy Spirit, please tell the Samuel's that they are Samuel's. Don't let them skirt the responsibility. Now, some of you are Samuels and Davids. We were talking before the service, and Lindsay's an excellent example. Lindsay is our youth leader here. The youth are her Davids, but to the church, she is our David, isn't she? And many of you are Samuels to her. And so some of you are both Davids and Samuels. Samuels, do you have that kind of conviction that you're so confident that you can trust the eyesight of God that you would be able to say, are these all or is there another? Now, this is not necessarily about seeing that there's someone who's not at church today. This is about undercutting your assessing power. That maybe the person standing in front of you that you have been seeing for years has something else to offer. So that you would look at them and all of your assessment says, I know who they are and I know how they'll end up but you're so convinced that you're not supposed to trust your sight that you believe God and say, is there another in you? I had people do this for me. I was all seven failing brothers. And there were people in my life who were so in step with the eyesight of God that they looked at me and said, is there another in you, Nathan? I'm thankful for them. Can you look at someone and do that? Samuel. We have in this church and the church a deep need for Samuels who search with God's eyes. Now to the Davids. What do you want? What is in your heart? 
1 Samuel 13 is the first time we get this little picture here. 1 Samuel 13, 14. Samuel says to Saul, even back then, that the Lord has sought out a man, quote, after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people. In Acts 13, verse 7, we are remembering back. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. David, what do you want? What do you want? What is in your heart? What is your desire? God sees into your bone and your marrow. Your hidden places. Much is made in the church of what we see. Much is made of what we do. Not enough is made of what we want. If we want to follow biblical discipleship, we will respond to the actions of our brothers and sisters instead of critiquing behavior, questioning motive. Why did you do what you did? What did you want? What do you want? You see, God is not looking so much for what you have done. He's looking for what you want. And only you and him know that. Spouses can't even truly give over. Let me actually go a step deeper. You don't even know all of it. You have to ask God what you really want. Holy Spirit, reveal to me the underneath, under my underneath, deepest, deepest, deepest desires. Giving ourselves over. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. We can play games and games all we want until we lie on our deathbed, but death is not a game. We will reach a place where we can play no games again. All of our desires will be laid out and revealed. And that is actually happening now. Our hopes, our desires, our intentions, our motivations, our wants, that is what we are giving to the world and to ourselves. And that is what we offer up to God. Not our accomplishments, not our busyness, not our achievements or our accolades. We give to God not what we have done, but what we want. 
Otherwise, David makes no sense. No sense. His qualifications for kingship are null and void minus his heart. He has the heart of kingship. Vocationally, shepherd. In stature, tiny. Age, youngest. Highly underqualified, highly overqualified. Sincerity. Number two, if you think that you are too young and that has become a limit, begin to think about authority. Verse 11. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. And so Samuel's suspicions are true. There was another son. Lo and behold, he was tending the sheep. Now, in verse 12, the Lord tells him to anoint him. The Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one, the one in the field, the one that was so insignificant that the father, of course, wanted one of his sons to be king. Are you getting this? Obviously, the, Jesse wants one of his boys to be the king. It's not that he doesn't care about David. It's that he's so far out of the realm of possibility that even his own father doesn't bring him as a possibility. And yet God says, this is the one. He's out tending the sheep. Now, brace yourself. Verse 19. At this stage, we've kind of shifted scenes. See, over here, we're in this scene where Samuel and Jesse and the sons are all here, right? Now, we transition over to a different scene, which is Saul who is sad because he is not the one anymore. And the people who work for him want to make him happy. So they say, go find somebody that can play him music and that'll cheer him up. Well, David plays music. So they go and get David. And where is David? He's with the sheep. This one is painful for me. There is a difference between anointing and appointing. Scripture and history are full of called and waiting people. Faithfully ready. To be called is a great weight and a thrill, but it's not a go. 
If you're called, it is not by your authority. David knew that full well. I was sitting in the pew. And uh, the preacher in the middle of the message said, let's just take five minutes and pray. And later in this series, we're going to talk about cynicism. I was cynical. Okay, let's pray. See what happens. Sounds to me like you're five minutes short of your notes for your sermon, man. (laughs) I'm just being honest. So I began to pray. And in that moment, God said, Nathan, I want you to do what your father and your grandfather did. Shepherd a flock. Now, he said it to me in that way because I had specifically rejected I will never do what you do, Dad. Many times God redeems using fire. And often, we are the ones that lit the fire. I lit that fire, and he asked me to walk right back through it. So, I mean, it was a day or two later, and we invited the whole family to have dinner together, extended family. Grandma, everybody. And we told him right then, God has called Nathan to be a pastor. When we did that, because we didn't want to be let out of that. That was eight years ago. I started here on July 1st. I waited for you. For eight years. We put in our application at World Gospel Mission because we were sure we were supposed to go. And that same week, I was asked to candidate at a church five minutes down the road. After waiting and waiting. We went to Africa and I argued with God whether this was pastoring. And people around me, my wife included, Nathan, you're a pastor. Don't say you're not. Don't say you're not. But I felt that I was called to something very specific, and I was waiting. And the the pain of carrying that burden of what I thought I was supposed to do left unmet was really, really, really hard. And I've had to restrain from you the full explosion of joy that I feel now. (laughs) I hope and pray that over the coming years, our church raises up, loves anoints and cares for an entire generation of leaders. And I hope that God calls them. And when he calls them, I hope they wait. Because calling and going are not the same thing. David was called. And the future leader of God's set-apart holy people 
received the anointing of the position, and then went back to his sheep. If you think that you're too young, ask yourself these questions. Sincerity. What do you want? Authority. Who has called you? And third, ability. It says near the end here, So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Now, by what energy do you think David was so successful? Because he was just a shepherd. He didn't go to king's school. He didn't have his masters in kingliness. He was a shepherd with a Spirit of the Lord. Sometimes we put all of our energy in this ability question into degrees, achievements, reputation, all the things that line up so that some Samuel might come and saw, see me, and choose me based on... David was, his abilities were not even part of why he was recruited, why he was chosen. And I want to say that the more we build this up, now I'm not speaking poorly about education and achievements and all these things. I'm not saying we shouldn't do these, but we should know that our wheelhouse is a dangerous place. The better we are at something, the less likely we are to be dependent. The more confident we feel in our ability to do something, to master something, to be something, the less likely it is we're going to ask for help, partner, cooperate, or even pray and ask God for his blessing on our work. I want to be the very best preacher and pastor that I can be. But I also understand that the better I become in this role, the more I will have a tendency to rely on my ability to do that. And so how fundamental and essential is it that we recognize our ability is, equal sign, the Spirit of the Lord. There's a lot of people can stand up and speak publicly. There's a lot of people that can do what you do. Are you a teacher? There's a lot of teachers. Are you a leader? There's a lot of leaders. Are you a student? There's a lot of students. We are not set apart by our ability to accomplish and do things with excellence. We are set apart because we are humans filled with the Holy Spirit and we do them in exceeding of human ability. 
As our aptitude increases, our dependence decreases. We have a wonderful, powerful example in this very room. Can I ask that if you began attending this church while Norm and Jan Wright were the pastors, will you stand up? Now, for those standing up and those sitting down, if Norm or Jan has done something in your life at a key moment and they have cared for you and they have prayed for you and they have pastored you, will you just shout out hallelujah? Hallelujah! Yes! You may be seated. Now, are Norm and Jan able pastors? Yes. But that's not why you stood up. And that's not why you yelled hallelujah. You yelled hallelujah because you had a pastor filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit used Norm and Jan's natural giftings and person to give you love. And in that way, they exceeded themselves to you. Are you with me? Norm has come and been a great encouragement to me as a young pastor. Coming up after sermons and cheering me on. You know what that means to a young pastor? I was just talking to my mom this last week about Jan, and she said, the first time I met Jan, I left and thought, is she actually that nice? (laughs) You are not too young and you are not too old. You are not too young and you are not too old because it's not about age. It's about your relationship to a promise. If you think you're too old, you're not. You can go back. There is still time. It's not too late. Go get it. If you think you're too young, are you sincere in your heart? Do you recognize that God gives authority? And do you trust the Spirit of the Lord more than your own aptitude? If so, you're ready. Here's how I want to end. We need some anointing to happen in this church. There are Samuels in the room, male and female. It's a male name. Samuels are male and female. And this room is full of them. There are Davids in this room, male and female. I need to ask that as we continue to press in to the culturally counter and awkward vision statement, warm together, alive together in the warmth of Jesus Christ, that we would do culturally awkward things because they are just so right. We see here that Samuel sees David and against his own eyesight, anoints him and believes in him, puts his name behind him. I need to ask that the Samuels in this room 
find the Davids in this room. You need to seek them out. I'm one of the most confident Daniels you've ever met, and I still struggle to have the confidence to seek out Samuels in my life. You need to know that. If you are someone that the Holy Spirit says you are a Samuel to our church, you need to know you are respected so much, it's hard for Davids to seek you out. That's okay. Hold that air of authority and honor. But we're going to take time at the end of the service. This is how we're going to close. I want to ask that our Samuels would shoulder that weight this morning and would find Davids in the room and anoint them. Speak a word of blessing over them. If you don't know how to do that, we'll have to, I will help you. Pastor Craig will help you. We have a last song that we're going to sing. There are, let me just speak to the Samuels again. There are Davids in this room that are on the edge of their seat hoping that some Samuel will pick them. Some Samuel will pick them. Samuels need to be the kind of Surely there's another. David's receive from Samuel. Receive. Take the honor. Take it seriously. This is a a moment that we're going to create that I hope means something, but it's it's a benchmark. It's not the stopping point. We need to be the kind of community and congregation where the Samuels are always seeking out the Davids and the Davids are always honored and brought up by the Samuels. Intergenerational. So let's do that now. Let's stand together. Get awkward. Just do it. Get awkward. Samuels, go find yourself a David. Davids, say yes to a Samuel. We can use this altar here or off to the side here. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me who the sun sets free oh is free indeed i'm a child of god yes i am free at last he has ransomed me his grace runs deep while I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yeah.
I'm a child of God. Yes, I In my father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. If you are a David who's not sure how to go find yourself Samuel, just come up and kneel. Samuels, please come. Don't let any Davids be here very long. If you're Samuel and you're not real confident how to go find yourself a David, just come up and wait. This is what it is to be family, to be alive together this is the church version of, of looking at your your son or your daughter and speaking hope and desire for their future of talking to your grandchildren and wanting the very best for them what an amazing place this can be when it you know that if you come and you enter into our family someone will see something great into you there must be another one in there, another one in there. I believe in you. I'm with you. There is no David without a Samuel. It's okay if it's awkward, if it's right. A little bit more time. chosen not forsaken i am who you say i am you are for me not against me i am who you say i am i am chosen not forsaken i am who you say i am you are for me not against me I am who you say I am yeah, not forsaken I am who you say I am you are for me not against me I am who you say I am I am chosen not forsaken I am who you say I am You are for me, not against me I am who you say I am Sing that I am chosen, not forsaken I am who you say I am You are for me, not against me 
I am who you say I am again. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Oh, I am who you say I am. Who the sun sets free, oh, it's free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I. special special time for many this is a mark and a memory that they won't forget there are people 20 years from now that will say I remember when this person came to me and they saw me and they believed in me I just want to make a note for many Samuels, it's been a long time since anyone has asked this of you. And I just want to be clear that this was not a one-time ask. I'm asking this of you forever. Amen. That you would always be looking. And this church may give to you seven perfect people for a role. And I want the Samuels to see with God's eyes and ask if we have yet another. See with God's eyes. I'm asking you to even help me see with God's eyes. And David's. Just relax. If God has called you, He won't forget that He called you. It takes time. He won't forget that He called you. This church, if we are going to raise up leaders, we need Samuels to go out of their way and shoulder the burden of where they are and who they are. You. Davids are going to need reminders. I'm speaking with a lot of David memory that frequently I needed another Samuel to come into my life and affirm me again, and affirm me again. And I was the confident Daniel. So I put myself now in the shoes of those who are, I keep saying Daniel, David, sorry, confusing Bible stories. I keep, I remember what it was like to be that David and be unsure. And then I would have a, a Samuel say to me, yes, you are called to this. I had a great Samuel come over me one time after I had just preached my heart out and I was just glowing and, and a Samuel that I really respected, he came up to me and he said, now remember, Moses didn't know his face was glowing. Took me back into the right spot. He called me Moses, 
but he put me in the right spot. And we need this to be a place where Davids thrive. Lord, I ask that you would bless this time, that you would be blessed by this time. Help all of the Samuels in the room to fully accept and take the weight of that responsibility to our family here. And Holy Spirit, even now, call more Davids. Call more Davids. And I ask on behalf of them that if there are Davids who have been burdening the weight of a calling for a long time, give them stronger backs and stronger shoulders and help them to hold it just a little bit longer. Surround them with Samuels that remind them they are still called. Father, we ask that you would teach us again and again how to be healthy family. We give all this to you and we ask that you would be praised and honored and glorified and that your name would be above every name and that every reflection that we have throughout the week would be centered on you and your calling and your mission and your heart. And we're just trying to figure out how to participate. Bring us into your mission, God. We commit all these things to you and we love you. Amen. Greet someone. Love someone. Have a wonderful week.